0: For this day and thank you for your faithfulness thank you for the joy that you give us Lord thank you for the peace that you give us thank you for your presence that is so real to all of us and Lord we honor you for just being here for us today we can call out to you Lord we can cry out to you We can look to you today, Lord, because we know that our lives are in your hands. We bless you for that, Lord. This morning, Lord, as we continue, we pray, Lord, for those who are really in need of prayer. We think of Ruth. Lord, we pray that you will be with her, be with her husband in particular, Andrew. We pray that you will just be close to him right there where he is, Lord. That every day, every moment, Lord, he will be so aware of your presence that he's not alone, that you are faithful. Even her mom as well, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the strength that you give her daily, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will just infuse her with more strength to face every situation, Lord, with victory in our life and in our heart. We commit it to you, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you for others. We thank you for Rebecca, who is doing an internship in Cape Town, Lord, and uh, thank you for this amazing opportunity, Lord. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will bless her, there. you will cover her. Thank you, Lord, that her future is in your hands. And, Lord, you go ahead of us, and you prepare the way for us. You open doors for us, Lord, that we don't even think about. But it's there, Lord, waiting for us, and we... Pray, Lord, that you will shape her life, Lord, and, 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 and bless her and use her, Lord, in the lives of others, even there in Cape Town. Lord, it's not easy for the parents. It's not always easy for us to release our children, but we realize we've got to, Lord. But we pray that you will be with, uh, be, be with Robin and Benny and uh, that you will bless them, Lord, and, uh, and that they will be encouraged also at this time. And Father, Lord, we want to come and we want to also bring the Baptist Union before you, Lord. At at this moment in time, Lord Jesus, they they need to, uh, someone has to become the national leader of the Baptist Union, Lord. And and it's been for a few years that this thing has been stalling. But Lord, we pray for this month in May in particular, Lord, we want to bring the Baptist Union and its leadership before you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as they wait on you and to hear from you who the next person is to to lead our denomination, we pray, Father, that you will lead and direct our people uh, uh, and direct those who are directly uh, uh, responsible for this, Lord, those who are involved in this at this moment, that you will guide them, Lord, and give, give them godly wisdom, Lord, as to... Lord, the next chapter, in, in, in fact, in terms of the Baptist Union, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that there's the right person that you already have in mind. You've chosen that person to lead us as a denomination. And, Lord, it's, it's the right person, the right family, the, the right leadership, and we, we honor you for that, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you will, we will be with our, our Baptist family at this time, Lord, all across South Africa, Lord. We pray that you will just be with us. And uh, Lord, today, as we worship you and as we honor you and as we exalt you, as we look to you, we pray, Father, that your blessings will surround us even further now. We pray that as your word will come to us, Lord, that you will challenge us. And at the same time, Lord, that we will get it right with you. And be real with you, Lord. Bless us now further, Lord. We honor you and worship you for your presence here with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Right, I'll be starting a new series. And, uh, and uh, the f- title of the message here this morning in First John. 1 John. It's right in the New Testament after Second Peter. Once you find Peter, then you will find John. That's, oh, yeah. So just look for Peter for, in the Bible there, and then you, you will find it towards, more towards the end of, our, of the New Testament. But feel, yeah, So, so that's, let's turn to First John, the first epistle of John, and we're going to read the first four verses together. And that is what we're going to focus on here this morning. Back to the basics. We need to get back to the basics, isn't it? Let's read together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, So far, may God bless the reading of his precious word. We are living in a world that is full of lies, confusion, and uncertainty. Isn't it true? As we study 1 John, we want to live victorious lives in Jesus by knowing and living out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the first century, Christian faith was pure and simple, in the hearts of all believers and the believers gave themselves completely to a life of faith in christ and his mission but by the time first john was written cults were emerging everywhere corruption was wide scale and all kinds of false teachings already found their, found their way into the Christian community. Cultural views and human traditions merged with and corrupted the pure Christian faith, turning it into cultural, what we call cultural Christianity. Isn't that what is happening today? There was also another kind of corruption that infiltrated the Christian community. And it was compromise and no commitment, indifference to the things of the Lord. And that became a huge problem. It is still a huge problem today. People claiming to be Christian, claiming to follow Jesus, but no notion of commitment to Him. Is that where you are this morning? No notion of commitment. You claim to be a Christian. You claim that you follow Jesus, but there's no notion. There's no sign of a commitment in your life. John wrote this letter to expose and refute false teachers and to give believers assurance of their salvation. Brothers and sisters, if you're a child of the Lord, you need to have assurance of your salvation. As many people, when you ask them, are you really saved? Well, I don't know. I think. It's not about I think. I don't know. It's a matter of knowing that you are a child of the Lord, or not knowing that you are a child of the Lord. It's one of two things. Either not a child of the Lord, or I am a child of the Lord. Isn't that true? And as many believers today, they just don't know where they are. (laughs) Uh, You know, you ask them, are they following the Lord? Oh, well, you know, sort of. You can't sort of follow the Lord. It's either all or nothing. And here we're starting here with back to the basics. The first thing about back to the basics, uh, back to the basics means Jesus is real. And there we're going to focus on verse 1 there. Jesus is real. John is writing to address two misconceptions people had in the first century. All right, it was two misconceptions that people had in the first century. The first misconception was called docetism. D-O, you see, I don't know if you see the notes there, docetism. Now the docetists believe that Jesus had, seemed to have, a human body But he, he, he did not fully have a human body You understand that? That's what the docetists believe. Docetists believed that And taught that Jesus only appeared To have a body It was not real It was imaginary It was a figment of our imagination That's what docetists believed Don't you think people do that to that as well? They appear. He appears. He's just a ghost. Is Jesus just a ghost? <laughs> You've got. To, is he just a ghost? To you, he certainly is not a ghost. To me, and uh, and then of course the next one, you know, the the second heresy that John uh, John is addressing is related. It's related to Gnosticism, but different. It is called Gnosticism. You've, maybe I've heard this before, but it's good for you to hear these things. Now, Gnosticism, the The Gnostics asserted that the physical matter, that matter, in other words, is evil, was inherently evil, and spirit was good. They denied that Jesus came in the flesh and claimed that he came only in the spirit. Are you listening? Are you with me? They claimed that the flesh is corrupt and unimportant and that only the Spirit is important. There are many today who only say, would say this, the Spirit, only things of the Spirit is important. I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to, tell. you can imagine, use your imagination here this morning. But here when you think of the Gnostics, they believe that it, It gave them a license, listen to this, to yield to the desires of the flesh, to sin freely and keep on sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning. Because flesh is unimportant. Are you with me? You're very quiet. Flesh is unimportant. They had this license to do that. Isn't that what is happening in our world today? They emphasize the spirit. I I say it again. There are many emphasizing the spirit. They emphasize this way. They took sin lightly. Many are taking sin lightly today. And because of that, they drifted away from the truth of God. And you know what? It's a dangerous place to be when you are drifting because when you are drifting there comes a time in your life when you don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you the voice of the Lord speaking to you anymore there are times there comes a point in your life when you are drifting that you are so far away that when you look back you ask yourself how did I get you? How on earth did I get you? You're so far that you're so lost. You're in so much darkness. And you don't even realize it. And that is why it's a dangerous place to be when we are drifting. And John was concerned about this. Think about it. John, centuries ago, was concerned about it. John is saying, To these believers, you do not incorporate Jesus into whatever life you want to live. Did you hear that? You do not incorporate Jesus into whatever life you want to live. You don't talk about Jesus only when it suits you. You don't look to the Lord only when you need Him. He's everything to you all the time. He's supposed to be. And why does John say this? Because he ca- Jesus, uh, this is what John says, he came, he came, he loved. We saw him, I saw him. We heard him, I heard him. We touched him. He is not some figment of our imagination. Is Jesus some figment of your imagination here this morning? I've got good news here this morning. He's real. He is really, really real. Jesus is not just some historical figure. He's not just a character on a page. Jesus is real. He is a real person. And he is alive. He is more alive right now than every single person here in this building, than every single person on planet Earth. Jesus is real. Docetism and Gnosticism believed in the divinity of the Lord from a theological perspective, but they did not believe in the humanity of Jesus. They they did not think that, they felt that flesh is evil. But you know, Jesus became flesh and blood for you and I. Are we back to the basics? You understand this now, eh? He's more alive than anything. But the problem is not these days that we do not believe Jesus is real. People believe he's real. you hear that? Believe he's real. But that, the other thing is, we have created a brand of Christianity where we say, say Lord, you do not need to be real to me. I don't need you to be real. I know you are real, but I don't need you to be real in my life. Is that where you are? We selectively give him what we consider necessary to ease our conscience. And so we tend to make him just a worldview. Is Jesus just a worldview to you this morning? Or just a value system or just a good idea. But Jesus is none of this. Jesus is not a worldview or a value system and and a, a good idea or a good man or maybe as young people would say, a good dude. He's not that. He's more than that. Jesus is real. Do we really understand this morning the realness of Jesus? Do you understand that? Back to the basics. The realness of Jesus. Is Jesus real to you today? And if he is real to you, what is it in your life that you can only do because of who he is? What is it in your life that demands Jesus to be who he says he is? What steps of faith might he be calling you to today? What is it that is standing in the way of Jesus being real? real to you and I today. And when I think of the realness of Jesus, the galaxies this morning shout out, he is there. The flowers sing together, he is there. The rippling brooks join in, he is there. The birds sing it, the lions roar it. The fish write it in the oceans. He is there. He is real. All creation joins to sing his praise. The heavens declare it. The earth repeats it. And the wind whispers it. He is there. He is real. Deep cries out to deep. He is there. No one can miss him. He has left his fingerprints all over this world. Every rock, every tree or twig, every river, every mountain bear his signature this morning. His divine DNA, if we could put it in those words. He signed his name and who he is. To every human created in his image. To every human transformed by his power. In letters highly visible to all. Some people may deny it. But no one fails to see that he is real. Praise God, he's real. We serve a real God a real Savior, a real King. Do not let your spiritual God down this morning. The Lord will never let you down. He's always there for you. Because He's real. Back to the basics we said, eh? Jesus is real. But secondly, as we go back to the basics, it means He always shows up. Verse 2 says, the life appeared. Did you see that word there? Appeared. You don't even have to explain that. He always shows up. He always makes his appearance throughout. Just as we sense his presence here with us right now. Jesus is not like some distant relative that you see every few years. He wants to take up residence in your life. He wants to be the go-to person of your life. He wants to be engaged and involved in all the details of your life. Most often we think of him as being up there. Isn't that true? Far removed from the cares and concerns of this created world, this world he created. But because Jesus became a man, he came down here. Did you hear that? living in our midst. We could never reach him up there. Could, can we? But in love, he came down here to us. That's what I love about the incarnation. He came down here to us. And what happened? He became touchable, Jesus. Think about it. The human Jesus, he became touchable. He became a he became reachable. Oh, he's never out of touch with us. He's approachable. We can approach him and call upon his name and look to him and cry out to him. He's reachable 24-7. We can reach him in the act of becoming human he identified with us completely he identified with our pain he felt the pain of loneliness, he felt the hurt of rejection he felt the scars of mental or physical harm when Jesus became a man, he understood us, he identified with us and he felt our pain, he felt what we are going through. He felt our shame, in fact. He felt our guilt. Jesus stepped out of heaven, coming for you. How do you like that? He brings with him the amazing gifts of grace, and peace, and love, and freedom. He personally comes to each one of us offering himself with all his attributes and all that he is. He does not stand at a distance. He is personally reaching out to you and I. Will you come to him this morning? He, the risen Christ, is in so many places. Always has been and always will be. Isn't it true? He has a habit, though, of showing up. He will always show up, even at the most unexpected place and the most inconvenient time, for his people who need him. That's the Lord that we serve. Here for you, came for you. He's all, he always shows up, he always appears. Back to basics, uh, back to that. Next, basic is, uh, is what I want to go to 3B before I want to end off with, conclude with 3A. But 3B speaks about, let me read that 3B there. So that you also may have fellowship with us. Uh, just that word there. We're going to focus on that word, fellowship. And that means, back to the basic means active participation. <laughs> Remember John? He's writing to a community where there is considerable disunity. In this diverse community, the Christians were trying to discern their identity in Christ. John wants them to experience fellowship with Jesus and, in the process, fellowship with one another too. Fellowship is important, brothers and sisters, but it starts with us having fellowship with the Lord. I ask you this morning are you in fellowship with Him? Or are you out of fellowship with him this morning? Eh? Fellowship. In Greek, we all know the word means, is koinonia. And it mean, literally means to share life together, to have things in common. Fellowship has the meaning of intimate sharing or participation. We human beings are social creatures. We are, we've been created to have relationships, interpersonal relationships with one another but that are meaningful and that are deep. You see, Christian fellowship, this is what John is saying, uh, is eternal, blessed, deep, and mutually edifying. The early church was known as a community of love because of the fellowship they had with one another, because of what they shared in common and how they were there for each other. Some even sold their properties for one another to support one another. Our life in the Lord, shared together, expresses itself powerfully. It is the overflow of His life in us. Isn't that amazing? The overflow of His life in us. Oh, let us learn to love each other and share each other's journeys here today as the, the early Christians did. Everything that we do and are ought to come out of our fellowship. I ask you again, are you in fellowship with the Lord? Or are you out of fellowship with Him this morning? Because if you're in fellowship with the Lord, it will lead to a deepening of it. Not a decline of it, eh? In the early church, something was burst out of a place of fellowship and deepened the fellow, their fellowship as believers. Fellowship means to trade. I love this. Our God encounters with one another. When last have you shared your God encounter with another? We're here together today to have fellowship, but we trade our God encounters with each other. We we share with one another where the Lord has taken us from, what the Lord has accomplished in our lives. Isn't it true? We, We trade our God encounters. That's what fellowship is. How much of what we do is burst out of God encounters, out of true fellowship. And therefore, it takes us much more, much deeper than we could ever imagine. So when we gather together in our life groups, when we gather together as a church, when we share with one another, every time we have fellowship, something new is birthed. You get the picture? Isn't it true? You are blessed. Somehow some, you are taught something. You hear something that you haven't heard before or that you've heard before but you need to hear again. Something is birthed in true fellowship with one another and with the Lord. Fellowship is the place of, again, yeah, I'm repeating myself, but I want to, us to understand this word. Fellowship is the place of spiritual birth. If we want spiritual birth, we must be in a place where it is occurring. We can't go where there's no life, where God's blessing and presence is there, where the word is deep and profound. And, and hits us where we need to be uh, need to be hit or strikes us maybe a better word, where we where, where we need to be struck. Fellowship is the place of spiritual birth, brothers and sisters. We must be in a place where it occurs. How I long to see true spiritual birth these days, rather than a dressing up of the flesh. That's what happens, eh? We dress up the flesh. How do we dress up the fle- flesh? That which is born of the flesh, the Bible says, is flesh. Isn't it true? Just born out of your experience. Oh, I've had all these experiences. You know, and we talk about our our experience. But, you know, and our experience is vital. It's important. But sometimes, you know, we only go through the motions because of our experience. Our last experience. Or our academic ability. Or even our cerebral, our head knowledge, in other words. Without an actual encounter. With the king of kings We're Talking about an encounter with the king of kings Brothers and sisters That is not real if it's, if it's not an encounter with the king of kings And it will not deepen fellowship Fellowship is when we gather together The way we gather here on a Sunday morning And at other times That's what fellowship is all about where something, That's where something will be burst Only an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ Deepens fellowship. And then finally and fourthly, uh, you know, when we think of uh, that 3A there, <laughs> you know, at, uh, when we think of going back to the basics or back to the basics, it, it means spreading the good news. But 3A, we proclaim to you. I don't even have to say anything else. Eh? We proclaim to you. eh <laughs> Spreading the good news. Who have you been reaching out to lately? Have you been reaching out to someone? Now there are two schools of thoughts today when it comes to reaching out to others, when it comes to evangelism. Some people say, I'm just going to live the Christian life and others will see the difference. I'm just living it. I'm not going to say a word. I'm going to keep it private. I'm going to keep it a secret. But I will just live it. There are times you've got to just love it. I agree. But is that enough? I'm just asking. you know? You can answer that, eh? And then the other school of thought is I'm going to tell everyone about this new life. I'm not going to be silenced. Nobody's going to keep me quiet. I'm going to tell everybody. And every time we see, you know, an, enthusiast, an enthusiastic person walking down, uh, coming towards us, we say, Whoa, oh, let me get away because this person is going to talk about the Lord. It's better if, they, if you hear about the Lord. Isn't it true? I'm going to tell everyone. We get, you know, um, I remember when. You know, when I got saved, yeah, I, and that was many moons ago. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to do was to share with everybody this joy and this exciting life. You know, I could not, I went to, at school, even my teachers, they, they tried to escape me because I wanted to witness to everyone because this is something new that happened in my life. And I wanted everybody to know about it. You ask me, hey, pastor, are you still like that today? Well, I've matured, but I still, I'm still doing it. And I'm still doing it enthusiastically when I have to share Jesus with others. There is no room for mediocrity when you are in fellowship with him. You see, the status quo Christianity is, is a concept you should refuse to hold on to at all times. It is about being radical. For Jesus and the time has come for us to become radical for Jesus again. I want to say this, it's important that we become radical for Him. Hey, everybody's quiet, they don't want to hear that word. We're radical about so many things. How about being radical for Jesus? Huh? When you have a real, have real fellowship with the Lord in your everyday life, there is nothing private about it. You can't keep it to yourself. We want to share it with everybody. You want everybody to experience what you have experienced. Isn't it true? Whoever you are, whatever you are doing, wherever you are headed, your life is making a statement to this world. What statement could be made about you that would reveal your reason for living and disclose who you are? When Jesus left this earth 2,000 years ago, and I'm concluding now, he left behind a few hundred followers. Can you remember? That is all he had to show for for his 33 years. Today, well over one billion people proudly bear his name, Jesus. That tiny band of followers has spread to every nation on every continent thousands more join the ranks every single day to put matters in perspective into perspective more people have come to Christ in the last generation than in the previous 2000 years history shows that Jesus Christ continues to change lives more than 20 centuries after he walked the dusty roads of Galilee and braved Jerusalem's narrow, stony streets at the time. Yet today, he is the single most influential person in human history, Jesus Christ. Alexander is dead. Caesar is dead. Karl Marx is dead. Adolf Hitler is dead. Napoleon is dead. But Jesus Christ is alive. The entire Christian faith hangs on this one fact. Jesus rose from the dead, literally, physically, bodily, visibly. It is the testimony of the empty tomb that forever sets Jesus apart from all other religious leaders. They are dead. He is alive today and forevermore. There is no possible term of comparison between him and every other person in the world. Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. And then verse 4 says, so beautifully as we conclude, we write this to make our joy complete. You see, fellowship with God and with other believers in Jesus gives complete joy. (laughs) Have you ever seen a Christian that is sad and moping? Would you want to? Uh, Would you want to walk alongside that person to say this? Become a child of the Lord, your joy is complete. And regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what you are going through, regardless of where you are heading, regardless of what is happening around you, the joy never leaves you. I want to say this to you. If you ever notice that I'm not joyful, You have all the right to ask me, Pastor, what's wrong with you today? Because somehow I must have must have must have drifted somewhere else. It's important for us to have complete joy at all times. When we continue to live for him, we will have complete joy. It matters how you live your life because the world is watching. Are you really living what you believe this morning? The fact is that true Christians are the only attractive adverts for Christ. False teachers during those years, they professed to know God, but they denied Him by their works. They do not display changed lives and cannot be models for us to emulate. I want to say this to us. Let us be models for others to emulate. Multiply joy in people around you. Unleash joy in people around you. Reflect His joy, the joy of the Lord. Reflect it in the way you live and to others as well. You and I are the attractive adverts for Christ today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you speak to us in ways that only you can. You want us to be attractive adverts for you, Lord. Joyful adverts for you, Lord. Our joy in you is complete. Doesn't have to be added anymore. The day we became your children... You gave us a joy deep within us. And no matter what happens around us, our joy is still complete in you. And Lord, you're just not an idea. You're not just a value system. You're not just a, an historical figure. You are more than that. You are real, Lord. And today, Lord, you are available to each one of us. We can come to you with our brokenness. We can come to you, Lord, with our shattered lives and dreams. We can come to you, Lord, with our disappointments and our fears. We can come to you just as we are. And you are ready to transform our lives for your glory. Won't you, Lord, reach out to each one of us here this morning? And Lord, we know you've spoken to us this morning. Won't you, Lord Jesus, take this word and, Lord, let it, Lord Jesus, during this week, Lord, invade our lives. And, Lord, let us become real with you. Real before others. In Jesus' name, amen.